Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Greens Beauty Podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Greens Beauty Director, Alexander Engler. On this podcast, we explore beauty through the lens of well-being. And on today's episode, I am having on Sierra Imani May. She is the founder of the company called Rebundle. And what Rebundle uh, is creating is really inspiring and revolutionary. It's the first plant-based non-toxic hair extensions. And I cannot wait to learn more and, uh, you know, just hear about what inspired Sierra to create, uh, to create this product. So, you know, without further ado, I would just love to introduce her to you all. Sierra, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. And like I said, I'm really excited to hear your story. This is the first time you and I are connecting, but you know, when I got the email about Rebundle, I was just, you know, so my interests were so piqued. So I'm so, uh, so eager to learn more about you. And, and in the spirit of doing that, what what was your journey into the beauty industry? You know, what what's your story? Yeah. So I did not have any plans to start a beauty company or be in the beauty space. I studied business management in undergrad and social entrepreneurship in grad school. So I knew I would eventually start a business, but I had no idea or inspiration around what kind. I've always been very entrepreneurial, even before I knew what that word meant, and sort of free-spirited, wanted to chart my own course, make my own money. Um, that's always been who I was, but I did not see myself as a beauty founder, which was um, an experience in itself. The inspiration for Rebundle came by way of being a black girl that wears braids and was wearing them really frequently um, at a time in my life where this was the only style that I wanted to wear and uh, was just reminded of how painful and irritating and uncomfortable plastic synthetic hair could be. And so I just had this fresh education, um, new perspective on problem solving and what that looked like in my everyday life and just had questions about one, why my scalp was so irritated while wearing braids, and two, what the heck the hair was even made out of. So once I started to dig in and um, really dig in and didn't get very far, like did not get a lot of concrete answers, I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting um, that there aren't any solutions that I felt were commercially available or scalable um, or like really addressing the problem from a material standpoint, not just like, a, oh, rinse it in apple cider vinegar and it'll make it better. I was like, but what's, why am I rinsing this material? Like, what is it made out of? At the same time, I was um, really getting involved in learning about the zero waste movement and conscious consumerism and plastics pollution um, because of another experience I was having simultaneously and sort of was uh, intrigued by this idea that hair extensions one, needed to be safe and non-toxic and non-irritating, and two, needed to be sustainable. And when I didn't find anything on the market that sort of spoke to that need that I could easily access, and by easily access, I mean like find a company that was doing it, doing it well, um, had a good product that was tried and true, and I could buy it. I was like, okay, this is super interesting. Let me see you know, what I can come up with. And so fast forward to early 2021, we launched the first U.S.-made plant-based hair extension brand um, and really focused on what more comfort and less waste looks like in this industry and addressing um, the issues that I identified with early on, but making um, this product that I felt was felt and knew was super important to um, 
black culture and black hair, that it be um, something that people cared about and wanted to try something different and want something better for themselves. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to dig into a lot of what you just said there, because, you know, I think your story really illuminates so much of the conversation that we're going to have. But before we get into that, I, I like to ask my guests what their beauty philosophy is, because, you know, and especially somebody like you who wasn't, um, you know, didn't know that they were going to get into the beauty industry and kind of found themselves there through through a journey of self-discovery. Um, I'm curious, you know, have you crafted a beauty philosophy that you live by? Yeah. Uh, maybe I have, but I never thought about it that way. But I consider myself to be a conscious consumer and I'm really diligent about um, the brands that I shop. If they have some sort of sustainability initiative, what the materials are made out of, is there end of life um, solution for that product once I'm done with it? I really do take my time to research those things. And it's usually one of the first things I'm looking for next to I need an orange swimsuit. And it's like, well, who makes sustainable swimsuits and how are they sustainable? So um I would say my beauty philosophy looks like leading with um, mission-oriented brands and being really, uh, I'm really into brands that talk openly about their journey as a sustainable brand or what that looks like. Are they trying to source more ethical ingredients? Are they swapping out materials? Are they using less of something or reusing more of something? And so um, I'm really drawn into to brands that do those types of things in the beauty space from skincare to hair care to my clothes and fashion. Okay. Um, you seem like a very curious person. Uh, and everything that you said so far, I think very much points to that. And especially when you identified the the problem that Rebundle um, is, is a solution for, um, you know, that being that uh, synthetic hair extensions were irritating towards the scalp and, you know, didn't, um, weren't easily recyclable or, you know, were made with toxic ingredients. I want to dive into this a little bit deeper um, and understand the scope of the problem um, that, you know, you're addressing. Um, so, you know, why don't we start with um, the sustainability factor of this, you know, you have identified that these, you know, synthetic um, hair extensions aren't easily recyclable. W- what does that mean in day to day practice or, you know, for the average person? So after I did a little bit of digging to understand what synthetic hair was made out of, which primarily is made out of PVC, polyvinyl chloride, as well as some other um, low grade acrylics. And I was like, okay, well, what else are those materials used for and how are those products recycled? And um, they're one of the harder materials to cycle because of the the chemicals, the chloride that's that's in the product. And so once I understood that and how it was more of a frowned upon material, and I was like, well, how did it make its way on my head and everybody else's head if, if everybody else seems to know this? And so it became... A question of okay, well, we know that they're gonna they're in circulation. These these materials are in circulation. What does an appropriate waste stream look like while I figure out how to revolutionize the rest of the industry so that it's no longer an option to buy um, plastic synthetic hair made out of PVC? And so we stood up a recycling program where we collect used and unused plastic synthetic hair so that it can be downcycled. 
um, responsibly. And so we, it's not a part of our, it's not a revenue generator for us. It's simply our way of saying we know that there is um, wrongdoing, for lack of better words, in the way that this material has entered into this application and what's happening after each person uses these cheaper materials usually once and then tosses them. How can we at least make sure that we're bringing awareness to this issue by offering people the opportunity to choose sustainability by recycling while we work on the larger issue of changing behaviors and mindsets around what materials should be acceptable to use in in and on our bodies? And um, what does it look like for the future of hair extensions to be not only more clean, but more green. And then on the point about, you know, you're looking into materials and you're realizing that these are, you know, toxic. Um, tell me more about that realization and what exactly you mean by that. It actually scared me. So I I ordered um, a lab analysis on two popular plastic synthetic hair brands and um, had a lab in North Carolina. Just tell me what's in it. Tell me Tell me all. The, give me everything that's uh, that's in the on the fiber in the fiber on the fiber, and um, I'm non technical, so I worked with material scientists and chemists to help me understand. Like, well, this is used for this, and this is used for that, but it couldn't tell us like that test didn't tell us um, the step by step process by which those materials are made. It just told us what was in it, and then once I had a better understanding of um, what some of those chemicals were used in other applications, it was like. Again, how did this make it on my scalp and on shelves for me to buy, to install and wear? Um, so it's really it was a really scary realization. And I never wore plastics and Dedicare again, even before I had a uh, had come up with our solution, Break Better. I just stopped wearing the hair and started telling other people about what what it, what I was learning. Um, before we launched any any products, I. We had an Instagram page and I was just on there sharing information and asking people about their experience and letting them know like, you know, I'm, I'm invested in understanding uh, what's what in this space and I'm invested in sharing this information with, with you so that you can make an informed decision too. Yeah. And, you know, you also mentioned previously that it was um, itchy and uncomfortable to wear a lot of uh, these extensions. And so tell me about that problem, because that's like a pretty like ubiquitous problem. I feel like a lot of women who wear extensions uh, also share that experience. Well, my concern was that the reaction that we're experiencing on a topical level was actually a signal or response that um, our bodies rejecting this contact dermatitis and was more concerned about, well, what is happening internally? at the chemical level that could cause some adverse health reactions um, or adverse health conditions that I may not realize for 20 to 30 years from now or um, that I'm experiencing on a day-to-day and just not associating it with the hair products that I'm using. So it's definitely still um, more questions than answers, but I think the important thing to point out is um, this isn't the first beauty product um, in history to later discover that it could be causing some adverse health um, reactions. And so it's really no different in terms of like being educated on what is safe and what is not and what does better look like. Yeah. Um, I mean, this brings up something that I wanted to ask you about anyway is, you know, we know that 
toxic ingredients, endocrine disrupting ingredients, you know, um, this broader class of uh, ingredients that we know to be to have adverse health um, risks associated with them. Um, we know that this is a big problem in the beauty industry. Um, particularly, we know that the burden of toxicity tends to fall on, uh, you know, minorities, women of color. Um, and we, we've we seen that play out again in research again and again. Um, and so, you know, this is a company that is addressing that in a very real and tangible way. So, you know, I'm curious, like when you look at the broader scope of this issue, what, you know, like what comes to mind? Like, how does that, I, I am sure it's incredibly frustrating. You know, how do you, how do you grapple with that? <laughs> um, it's funny, actually, I was just talking about this in another interview before this, but I think when I had that realization, I had to decide which route I wanted to take to see change. Um, I could go the activist, more legislative path um, and try to change things from like a governmental level, which I still think is incredibly important. Or I could develop a product that um, has an impact and change today um, and advocate for more regula regulation and oversight and um, research into what the long-term impact of these products are while fighting the good fight with a better product. Um, so it's not it, it's not realistic for me to do both well at the same time, but by sharing what we're doing and how we're doing it and why it's important is my way of um, spreading awareness around what we think should be acceptable and commonplace in this space and enabling me to hopefully eventually make the right connections to get more eyes on um, what has taken place over the last several decades and what type of change we want to see going forward. I think it's um, a conversation that I, I hope is percolating within the beauty industry. And I hope it's something that, you know, we continue to take incredibly seriously. And, you know, it, it is challenging to kind of decide like, okay, like, do we address it internally as a beauty industry? Or, you know, do we go that legislative regulatory route? And I think that's something that like a lot of people like yourself within within the industry grapple with. And it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a challenging and um, complicated and incredibly nuanced conversations to be having, um, you know, as we discuss the toxicity of the beauty industry, you know, and especially as it relates to to people who are more um, dispropor disproportionately impacted by it, you know? Yeah. And I'm not an expert in the, <laughs> the medical and the health implications. I am a consumer and I'm a brand owner advocating for something different and partnering with um, the parties that are experts in clinical trials and studies to prove or disprove um, those types of claims. But what we're following is existing data that suggests these types of chemicals and toxins are associated with these types of risk, therefore, I'm not going to use those anymore. And I encourage others to think twice about using those too until we have more concrete information um, to support, you know, what we believe to be true. Yeah. And just a quick follow up on that, um, just so our listeners are aware, you know, 
what are some of those, um, you know, potentially adverse health effects that are borne out in research? Like what, what are a few of those side effects that, you know, you know about? Disrupting chemicals is one. Cancers, um, like breast cancer, which is very, I think it's the number one cancer among women or maybe in general. Um, and so it's the number one cancer in, uh, found in, uh, women of color, black women in particular. Uh, and then you think about who hair extensions are primarily used and consumed by. So is there a correlation there? We don't know, but it begs the question of, um, if those chemicals are commonly, uh, cancer causing, and this is a product that we wear four to six times a year, is there something there that we should be looking into? Very similar to how um, there've been, there's been a number of studies, but I think the most recent one around relaxers, um, adverse health um, risks to relaxers sort of begs the question of um, what other type of exposures are we unknowingly receiving or, or taking on by way of our beauty products that we don't know for sure what those health implications are. So I see them um, very similarly. And I think it's just a matter of time before there's more data that um, gives us just better information about these products that are near and dear to our hearts and to our culture. It's just so it, it's sad to think that something that you, you know, that anybody uses to make themselves feel more beautiful could have, you know, these long term effects. Um, because the point of beauty is to literally bring joy to our lives, right? And, you know, to make us feel better about ourselves and to think that they could have long-term health effects is just so disheartening. And um, Right. And they do, but it's like at what cost? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's definitely, yeah, that, that question. Um, and, you know, I think all of this information is really helpful for this conversation. And, um, and it definitely brings me into hopefully a more lighter part of this broader conversation, which is solutions. Um, you're obviously somebody who is solution oriented. Uh, you have crafted a solution for a problem that you saw. Uh, explain uh, to to myself and the listeners what what this banana fiber is. I believe that's what the the hair extensions are made out of. Can you explain this more to me? Yeah. So. Braid butter is made from, uh, the main ingredient is banana fiber that's sourced from the stem of the banana tree. Uh, what we do is turn that fiber from straw-like to hair-like uh, so that it can be used for, to achieve styles like um, different braided styles and twists. Uh, we do all of that out of a facility that we operate in St. Louis by an all-women-led team. Um, and we are very keen on sourcing um, safe, safe on the skin, uh, ethically sourced ingredients that not only promote um, the idea of cleaner and greener hair extensions, but also look and feel just as good as uh, the alternatives. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, one of the big uh, issues that you were experiencing um, previously was, you know, the afterlife of the synthetic hair. And so, you know, can you explain to me what the afterlife of this product is of Braid Better? So we use biodegradable ingredients, which means in the right environment, it'll break down back to its original form. Um, so we don't contribute to single-use um, plastic pollution like the other hair extension, 
plastic care extensions more specifically. And so that was a really key point that I wanted to make sure we maintained with the product development process because we could not contribute to the same problem that we were trying um, to solve. So by introducing a biodegradable alternative, not only do we provide a more comfortable and safe wearing experience, but a more responsible uh, end of life and disposal experience too. Um, I saw on the website that it's uh, microbiome friendly. I love talking about the microbiome. It's like my favorite subject. I'm curious, why was creating something that, you know, respected the microbiome important to you? Well, when you think about the largest organ in our bodies and that being the skin and how often and how long hair extensions are worn, we wanted to think about well, what types of tests and certifications would substantiate the claims of how it is not disrupting um, at least the outer layer of your microbiome um, and in long term not having adverse uh, impacts on your health by uh, absorbing you know toxic chemicals and so um, there are plenty of uh, types of, of studies that we have done and still want to do but the microbiome was one that we felt supported our uh, focus on skin health by way of our scalps um, and is an area that is still very new just like our product is like the innovation in our space but it made sense for us to focus on you know the main problem that we we're trying to solve which is the reaction that that people and wearers have with hair extensions on their scalps um, by focusing on the microbiome Okay. Yeah, I uh, I think the conversation ar around the scalp microbiome in particular is one that deeply fascinates me. Um, and uh, particularly so because so much of the hair care products that people use do disrupt it, you know. So we've been doing quite a lot of damage to our scalp microbiomes without really even realizing it. So, you know, I think we have a lot of, um, you know, ground to cover in terms of, you know, recovering our microbiome um, and, you know, nurturing it. Yeah, there's still so much to, to learn. And I think that all of these developments will take time. But if we sort of do it in bite-sized proportions and think about like, what is, what is the highest priority? And making sure that the products are safe on the skin was like highest priority. So I want to talk about when folks would use or when folks use these every day you know what what does the braiding process look like what is the care instructions how are they different from you know normal synthetic instructions um is there you know a a learning curve that people have to you know adapt to when they start using you know these new extensions uh there's an inherent learning curve because there's been in all of history, most of history, there's two. There are two hair extension options on the market: plastic and human. So, automatically a learning curve by introducing a plant-based alternative. Um, texture and material-wise, there is a difference. It is not as silky as human. Uh, excuse me, as synthetic hair. It's more akin to human hair in its texture and its and in its thickness. Um, but once installed, it looks the same. And that was sort of the main point. Like we are definitely um, really, really focused on demonstrating through our content and our, um, through our education around like what those differences are and what to expect. So that is less of a surprise because if we were making more of the same, then we wouldn't really need to exist. 
Um, we're doing something different. We, we make it differently. And so there are some key differences. But at the end of the day, um, your braids look just as good as they did before. Your scalp feels better than it did before. And you can dispose of it in a much different way than you were before. Okay. And, um, you know, I noticed on the website that you have a locator for, um, you know, folks who are able to braid with this. So what has that process been like? It's actually one of my favorite projects or uh, what I spend my time on connecting with braiders and understanding from their perspective what works and what doesn't, um, what is uh, clear and what's not clear. And so some braiders find us and they join our directory because they want to offer um, their services to rebundle customers and um, other times our customers are taking product to them and then we're they're telling us about it and we talk about it and then they join in the directory so that more uh, more of our customers can find them and then other times I will find a braider I want to work with and you know we'll um, we'll ask them to help us with with stories with publications with um, editorial work to show not only how um, how many different types of braiders you know are can use the product and, and by that I mean like different levels or celebrity braiders there are um, people who braid other homes every out of shops and like it, it doesn't really matter where they are in their careers as long as the product uh, can be braided with then you know most of them don't have a problem and we do our best to educate up front so that when they get the product there aren't any surprises okay um I I am so illuminated by you know everything that you just shared with us um with such incredible innovation i mean it's really really exciting really cool stuff um i wanted to ask because this is a fun question that i like to ask guests what is your beauty hot take so you know this is something that perhaps um you feel at odds with with the beauty industry and since you're somebody who you know perhaps uh didn't know they were getting into the beauty industry. I'm curious to see what you have to say. <laughs> um, okay. I don't think you need a lot of skincare products. I use um, only what I need. And I think most of the work is done um, internally, like with an ingestible. Um, and then the outward facing, like you need very few to keep your face clean, keep your skin clean, um, something to remove dark spots. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't not overspend on skincare. I knew you were a mind, body, green girl. <laughs> That's a very MVP philosophy. Yeah, I'll try something here and there, maybe. But for the most part, like, I use what I know works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of routines, and you know, obviously you just shared that your skincare is very minimal, but I want to ask you, you know, what your beauty routine looks like. Um, and that can, of course, include ingestibles since you just mentioned them. Um, you know, what, how do you take care of your skin and your hair and, you know, makeup if, if you want to touch on that? Yeah, my skincare is pretty um, base level. Makeup, I don't wear makeup every day, only for special occasions, I would say. I don't even wear makeup every time I go out. If I feel like, it's not it's not even so much putting on, it's taking it off. Um, and I tried uh, Fenty Beauty's Melt Away the other day. A friend of mine had some and I was like, ooh, okay, well maybe maybe this could 
work for me because it won't take as long to take off. I hate taking makeup off. I completely agree with that. I was thinking about the uh, that the other day. I was just like, I was sitting on my couch. I was watching TV and I was like, you have to take off your makeup. And I was like, I can't get off the couch to do that. It's the hardest thing. And I was like, you literally do this for a living, Alex. Get off the couch and wash your face. Yeah, yeah, it is tough. So if I don't have to, if I don't, if I know I won't feel like taking it off, I will try not to put it on. Um, my hair is pretty much always done. If it's not braided, then I, I'll have it straightened. I actually just took a braided ponytail down a couple of days ago. So I'm gonna wear it straight for maybe a couple of weeks. And then um, what else is included in beauty? Uh, my nails are hardly ever done. I am afraid of uh, acrylic. <laughs> I had a bad experience and I'm just worried about those chemicals. So i um, been playing around with press-ons a little bit. So yeah, I feel like I feel like I care more about like my clothes and shopping sustainably and like trying different brands. I'll spend more time and effort on that than I do my skin and then my hair is always done. I feel like it's a no-brainer. My hair has to be done. Yeah. Um, but you did mention ingestibles earlier. Do you have any like favorite supplements or at least just, you know, um, types of supplements that you like to take? I hate to admit it, but the ingestible that I was referring to was birth control. <laughs> I think birth control is the key to healthy skin. I know it is the uh, detriment of a lot of other things, but yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. A lot, you know, it, it clears up a lot of people's skin. All right. So now I want to ask you about how you take care of yourself as a whole. Um, so, you know, I, I mentioned this to you earlier before we started, but, you know, it's uh, this question can be left to interpretation. It's, you know, truly however you see fit answering it. Um, it can be sleep. It can be movement. It can be mental health, whatever you have. I definitely have set boundaries with work uh in the last couple of years that have really helped set me up for success um i have a dog who's sitting in front of me and so i have to make sure to give him enough attention throughout the day he's pretty used to my routine but making sure that we get up switch rooms go outside feed him on a schedule uh, he sort of helps uh dictate how much time i spend in one space and yeah one space like in the house and also how much time i spend away because i travel a lot um so I would say those two things are definitely like ways that I um, help myself help myself. I also play a lot of Candy Crush, which um, <laughs> it, the message says strike, uh, swipe the stress away. And that's exactly what I do. I stripe, do it all on uh, Candy Crush. I play Candy Crush every day. I love that. That's so funny. I, uh, I, I do also have a few games on my phone that I'll that I'll play. I have this like dot one that I like to connect the dots. <laughs> yeah, it's just like mindless stuff that I can do while I'm doing other things or like how I know I'm done for the day. Yeah, you wrap it all up. All right. I like it. Well, this was so fun chatting with you and I I learned so much. So thank you so much for taking the time to, you know, explain all that you've learned while you've been on this journey and explain what solutions are out there and, you know, maybe give us a little hope that there's more solutions on the horizon. And, you know, there's um, exciting things that are out there that can be discovered um, like you've done. So thanks so much for taking the time today. This was so great to chat with you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. 
For more beauty content from the team at MindBuddyGreen, you can always read along with our content at mindbuddygreen.com, follow us on social media, and of course, tune into next week's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you ever want to reach out with questions or insights or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at Alex underscore Blair underscore. Thanks so much for your time.